So welcome everybody to this week's podcast. Today I'm here with Kyle Ambition and he's speaking to us from Chicago. And Kyle's a musician and a voice actor and many other things in the creative industries. Kyle, do you want to tell us a bit more about what you do in the world? Sure. Um, I would say I'm a musician first and foremost, overall just creative person. I love filmmaking and um, I edit videos and shoot music videos as well. So anything in that realm, acting, comedy, but music is my first love. Um, I'm an original artist and focus heavily on the lyrical content of the songwriting aspect. I would say that's my strong suit. But more recently, I have been um, dabbling with all the production, too, and recording all the instrumentation. Cool. You're going to make my very uh, dodgy podcast recording and editing, you know, don't don't judge me, Kyle. Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Um, so you gave up drinking four and a half years ago. And I want to touch a bit on that because from all the things I've read about you, your journey was certainly that impetus to change your drinking habits was driven by by mental health around depression and anxiety. Do you want to share a little bit more about, you know, what what happened for you and why alcohol became the the thing that was the issue and that you wanted to get rid of? Sure. Well, I would say, um, you know, with alcohol, I never viewed it as I really had a problem. There was something in the back of my mind, you know, nights when I would go out and maybe go a little too hard and then you're hanging over the toilet bowl. Like there's all these part of me that was like, one day you're going to have to quit drinking for good. I didn't know what that, you know, voice was, but it just was a feeling. And then, um, Towards the later, you know, year or so of drinking, um, the the focus with alcohol started shifting. You know, it used to be like go out with the guy friends and have some drinks at the bar, maybe find some single women, and slowly but surely, like the focus on that part went away, and it just became more about we're going to the bar to get smashed. And more and more, I was having more nights where I was just getting too drunk. And it was like those sick nights where I was at home throwing up, spinning, etc. And then I started noticing it play into, you know, like the days afterwards. So I would have this issue for like three days after a night of hard drinking, where right when I was about to fall asleep, like something would jolt me awake, um, like a surge of adrenaline. And that would happen for like three hours trying to go to bed for like four nights in a row. Um, and then I just like started getting these suicidal thoughts that would just be like, ah, oh, just kill yourself already. Just do it. Get it over with. And those freaked me out. Um, and anxiety had been something I've dealt with since I was like 19 years old and, you know, went to therapy on and off and got it to a point where I thought it was manageable. Um, I wasn't on any medication or anything, but I was functioning and going throughout my life. And then the last year of me drinking, uh, the anxiety started to increase a bit more. And with that came more depressive feelings, too. And so just overall, you know, down. And I noticed every time I would go out drinking, there was a period of like three or four days afterwards where everything was just heightened. My anxiety was through the roof and I just felt really low for those periods afterwards. Um so as I'm sure you're gathering from this, I wasn't like an every, every day, like morning to night drinker. I was more of a binge drinker on the weekends, but that impacted me for three or four days afterwards. And then 
you know, I kind of like start to get back to my somewhat normal self, but I still was in a lower state all the time. And then eventually, you know, those suicidal thoughts seemed to happen more regularly and it didn't even need to be when the alcohol was involved. And one night I just went out with a friend and like spent $300 at the bar, came home completely sick, just feeling so low and depressed, woke up feeling worse than ever. And just those thoughts were so strong in my head. And I felt like I was a step away from like actually ending my life. Um, so for me, I knew I needed like some help, some kind of, you know, get better fast, um, answer. And to me, like alcohol was the one thing I knew that was exasperating all those problems. So I'm like, let's just stop this immediately. Um, because although I was low and having suicidal thoughts, I didn't want to end my life. So enough of that fear, um, was able to, you know, motivate me to just quit drinking and stop cold turkey and immediately. So that's what brought me to that point. So then I did. And then I knew that the actual work had to begin with, you know, going to therapy and working on the issues at hand. I think you, you bring up some really interesting issues. You talk about really early in your drinking career, those, you know, bingy weekends and you're going out, you know, it's all about social and meeting new people. You still... Even at that stage, you knew that deep down, you knew at some point you would have to give up drinking. And is that because you knew that you were always somebody who took it a bit too far? Um, and that's why it was always in your brain. Did you always feel like you never quite had that normal relationship with alcohol? I'm really interested in this because that's the same with me. It's sort of like I always knew that somewhere every day I drank, every time I drank, whatever my age, I knew at some point this would have to be something that stopped. Yeah, I think just overall, I have um, um, an addictive personality or I do things in excess, you know, so in my teenage years in high school, it started with, you know, marijuana, cigarettes, and then occasionally dabbling with other drugs here and there, and got to a point where I said, okay, I can't do any drugs anymore. Um, so I wasn't a big drinker in high school. And then, you know, like, 21, 22, I started drinking more and noticed that increase. And yeah, it was just noticing how it affected me and a, a lot of times of getting a little too out of hand. But I would rationalize it because it's like, oh, you're in college, everyone does this. Or it's really like the people you hang out with too. So I think in my later 20s, I started hanging out with a different group that wasn't getting, you know, blackout drunk and wasted the way I was. And then I kind of felt like a leper. I'm like, oh, like, I'm abnormal. This is not how people are. Um, so there was a lot of justification along the way. And just, yeah, noticing like, my emotional state after drinking, how I would get sometimes very uh, withdrawn when I was drinking, even in the moment. Um and then just, yeah, the moments of like getting too drunk and doing stupid things like, you know, towards the last year of drinking, I noticed myself like starting to use drugs and stuff more because I would just get so completely smashed and make poor decisions. And I think that's really interesting because often when people think about changing their drinking, they, they're very stuck on the fact that they feel they'll have to give up their social life if they do. And we can come on to that specifically a bit later. But what you're explaining to me is that your social life 
just like all of us, has changed from your early 20s to your mid 20s to your late 20s based on who you're hanging out with and the stage of life you are. And then there came this stage where, you know, probably combined with some issues around mental health, your drinking took a whole different form. And that's when you got a bit frightened or a bit freaked out by it. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I can rationalize all of my drinking over the years, but then there became the year where, wow, there was something else going on in my head and drink then became, because I was so used to drinking, it it was easy for that to slip into being a bigger problem. Mm -hmm. So we have so many things in common, Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you've always been a creative. And and so I'm really interested because there's always this great myth around the fact that, you know, alcohol helps make you more creative. Did you make that connection between alcohol and your your art or is or do you think that's not the case what where did your creativity come from and when you were drinking yeah it's interesting because you know in my earlier years I was strongly focused on hip-hop and with that like weed is you know the big catalyst they say like you know you're, you're not a rapper if you don't smoke weed they go hand in hand so the, my first album I created, I was high constantly the whole time I wrote it. And then the second album, I wasn't smoking weed anymore, but I was drinking. And, you know, that's another aspect. I, I guess I was drinking on my own a bit, too. It used to always be a social thing. But then um, I was living in L.A. at the time and really didn't have a lot of friends. So I spent a lot of time just sitting at the apartment like... I thought I was being an adult, having a couple cocktails and writing lyrics and stuff. So I felt there, I wouldn't say it helped me become more creative. If anything, what it helped me do was push aside my morals a bit. Um, Because certain things on my second album, I look back, I'm not so proud of and kind of went against my better intuition and who I am as a person, but felt like, no, like this, this will be popular. Like this will be catchy. It'll get people's attention. And there was this feeling inside my gut, like, ah, don't write that. Don't write that. But as I drank more, it's like big deal, whatever, you know, inhibitions were loosened. So it, it helped me <laughs> ignore my morals for a bit. Um, when it came to performing, I actually had a rule that I would not drink alcohol when I would perform, which is not very common, I think, for artists. Um, But I'm a bit of a perfectionist as well. And so I didn't want the alcohol to compromise my performance at all, especially with rapping. (laughs) You you have a lot of words to say and, you know, I, I can't be up there slurring. So in that aspect, I said no alcohol, but that was another part that made me think that maybe the drinking was a problem because I would get on stage and do my performance or even the hours up until I, before I was supposed to perform, I was more looking forward to being done with my performance so I could go out in the crowd and drink and party, you know, and it used to be like, Oh my gosh, I'm on stage here opening for this big artist. This is amazing. I'm so excited. Now it's like, all right, hurry up and let me perform already so I could go out and party. I think I I kind of trailed off a little on your initial question. But. No, that's really interesting because it's um, it's when you are able to look back, you can see all the really subtle ways that you 
you tailored your life around alcohol rather than the other way around, rather than it just happened to be an incidental bit. You began, you begin to reshape your life around it. And the fact that you're doing something that you love, but you're also wanting it to be over to go and party and get a drink is, is fascinating. And I used to do, you know, all sorts of common sense or contrived um, excuses to basically make sure that I could drink. And I realized how much I'd shaped my life around it. And you can shape your creativity around it just as much. I think that's fascinating. So when you decided to give up, did you, you know, did you just go cold turkey? What did you do? How, what were the first steps that you took? And what do you think were the helpful things that you did in the initial stages that helped you get over that initial, you know, discomfort really of taking something away? Yeah. Um, you know, with having the anxiety and depression, as hard as it was, it kind of was a blessing because that's what enabled me to quit drinking. What I would say at first was easy because I felt I was like on the brink of self-destruction. I was terrified. So when the stakes were that high for me, where I really felt like I could potentially, you know, end my life at any moment, um, it made quitting drinking easier because I didn't want to risk like committing suicide. Um, and so what I told myself, I didn't say I can't drink forever and ever again. I just said like, right now, like I need to stop until I get this in check. So I never had it in my mind that I was going to quit drinking forever. It was like, maybe it's for a month or two months or something, just till you can get your anxiety and depression in order. And that was kind of my mindset throughout it. Um, which I think was tremendously helpful because sometimes the thought of forever can be overwhelming. And it's like, wow, I need to change my whole life and everything I've known thus far and, you know, completely throw it away and start over new and get to know myself in a new lifestyle. Um, so by telling myself that it was just for now, it, it wasn't even part of the plan. That's just what I actually believed. But when I started to notice the positive effects from quitting drinking, it was much easier to say, like, let's just keep going. Let's go another month, you know, to the point where it got to be four and a half years. And it just kept happening like that. And then eventually it's like, I don't even know if I want to, like, risk going back to social drinking. Like, I'm afraid I've improved so much and I'm doing so much better. Like, don't, you know, play with fire again. Um, so that's what kind of helped keep me going that whole time for four and a half years. Do you think, um, did the improvements in your mental health, were they quite quick and quite noticeable? Were they things that kept, did that keep you very motivated? Cause it's really easy, particularly if, um, poor mental health is your trigger to not be able to see the improvements and to only notice that you haven't got that thing that soothes you. Um, you know, how did that work? Yeah, I would say the um, anxiety and depression was still pretty strong after quitting drinking um, initially. However, those suicidal thoughts started to go away almost instantly. As soon as I stopped drinking, like, you know, I, I would say they decreased by 70%. And so with the sh that stress off my plate of, oh, my gosh, I might end up taking my life you know, I could deal with the anxiety and depression. I was used to having that. Um, 
And I had a, a lot of things that I had stuffed down for many, many years that needed to be addressed. So if anything, you know, maybe the alcohol was kind of masking those things. And I'm sure, you know, it would be more inspiring to hear like, once you quit drinking, all your problems are solved. Um, sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes it, it at least for me, I don't want to say it got harder. It, it definitely got easier because the greatest risk was eliminated. But now I had to face the things that I had been suppressing for so many years. And did you get help and support with that? Because you, you didn't go through AA or a 12-step program like that. But where did you go for help and support? And and were friends helpful and supportive? Yeah. Um, so the first thing I did was start seeing a therapist. And my mom was very instrumental in that. And fortunately, she had a friend whose son had some mental health issues. And he was seeing a therapist. So it was a referral. So I went to this guy and um, he, he changed my life. You know, I, I still see him weekly and um, he was very, very helpful. And um, as far as friends, you know, I was living with a roommate at the time and all of my friends were, I'd say, supportive and understanding. Um, it's just kind of different navigating because I was used to going out and drinking with them. And so I didn't know at first, like, do I still go out with them and not drink or do I just avoid situations like that completely? Um, so I would say they were supportive, but is about supportive as a group of guys can be. <laughs> Sometimes we're you're, you're a little not, You're not off. picking up groups of guys very well. Surely, <laughs> surely they were. You know, guys in their early 30s are supportive, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, you know, that's, I mean, it's interesting to navigate um, your social life at that age without drinking. How did you manage that? The first year it was, um, it was different. I spent more time not going out intentionally because I just, I don't know, I was afraid to be surrounded by alcohol and didn't trust myself yet. Um, so I spent, you know, more weekend nights in, which was different for me, because I would say, you know, from high school up until till that point, I went out every single weekend, you know, Friday and Saturday night for sure, unless like I was working or something. So that was really the first time in life, you know, since before my teenage years, like I'm just going to stay in on a Saturday night. And it was weird, but it was also kind of cool. Um, it actually got me more connected with my music. Like I, I have an acoustic guitar that I've had since I was like 13 years old and maybe only played it a handful of times because I was all focused on like rock and the electric guitar. So I eventually started playing that and strumming around a bit. And then my songwriting process changed a bit and I started writing more acoustic songs and it kind of went hand in hand with the therapy too, because I had a lot of stuff to say and a lot of things on my mind. So I, I developed, you know, a skill set during that first year that I probably would have never had before and really just got in touch with myself a lot better. Um, <laughs> again, going off kind of, the social life, but just, yeah, elaborating on what it looked like. So 
I still did go out and have a social life. It was just different. And I found myself more gravitated towards activities rather than just going to the bar. If it was going to a bar with friends, like, okay, are they going to have a live band there? Are they going to be, you know, are they playing good music I can dance to? Or maybe we'll go bowling or to the movie. So I wanted more activity, I found, rather than just sitting at a table while everyone just drinks. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's probably the same. But at least your year inside was preparing you well for a global pandemic, right? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Who knew that skill would be needed? <laughs> oh, man, it's terrible. Uh, so um, I, I'm really interested because you, you talk about, um, you know, really developing your creative um uh, practice and and you know you do a lot of writing of lyrics and I guess was writing for you a lot of people talk about journaling I've never done it myself because I'm I can't concentrate for that long but you know I guess writing lyrics themselves is a form of journaling in a way to to bring expression how important is that for you and how was it during that time yeah I think it's been incredibly important my whole life um you know, I started having anxiety when I was 19. Uh, I was, you know, songwriting before then, but I think around that age is when I started to form a purpose with my lyrics where I could say, you know, anything that I'm going through in life, it's okay because it's, it's helping with my creativity and giving me something to say to other people that I can relate so it was a way for me to take any hardship that came at me and spin it into a positive. It's like, it's okay that I'm going through these things. Like these are going to increase my chances of being su successful or call it God's plan, whatever you want. Um, you know, over the years, it's shift, shifted a bit where it, I'm, I guess I'm accepting, like, if anything hard comes my way, it doesn't necessarily mean like it's happening to me for this greater good. Sometimes, can you swear on here? I don't know. Yes, you can. It's Britain. <laughs> okay. Sometimes shit just happens. And I've accepted that. But um, regardless of if my lyrics go anywhere and anyone hears it, I know it makes me feel that much better to create a piece of art that came out of a pile of shit that was handed to me in life. And it's like, okay, like this is pain, hurt, all these negative emotions. And now I just made something beautiful and productive out of it. And I could pat myself on the back and be like, wow, look what I created. Um, so it makes me feel a lot better being able to turn that hurt into something artistic. Yeah, and I think that's fascinating because I think men in particular find it difficult to express emotions. But actually a skill that you had that predates drink, you know, even drinking and all that stuff is that skill to write stuff down, which probably put you in great stead for, for the change that you were making. Whereas actually for some people, not knowing what to do, once they give up drinking, not knowing what to do with all those emotions is actually really, really tough. Uh, so actually, you you probably had more asset, uh, uh, that creative asset you have probably served you really well during that time. Yeah, I would definitely say so. Like, you know, I, I'm at a place in life now where I don't need that idea in the back of my head of like hard experiences in life are happening to me for the benefit of my music and creativity. 
But all the years leading up to now, I, I really needed that. And if I, I would always say like, people who don't have like some hobby like that or creative outlet, I don't know how they do it. Um, I, I felt very grateful that I had that because it made it easier to spin any type of negative situation. Um, so I still like, I commend people who, you know, maybe don't have an outlet like that. I'm like, how do they get through it? What do they do? I'm, I'm very curious about how other people like cope. Yeah, I think lots of people do take up, up hobbies and particularly creative hobbies and go back to things that they um, enjoyed when they were teenagers. Like you talk about your acoustic guitar. And I think we shouldn't underestimate that. And that even if you, they haven't been doing that for years, like you had been doing, taking up a creative hobby um, post-drinking will actually serve you for, for, for a longer time beyond just that period when you're giving up drinking. It's part of, you know, it's a really important part of mental health and resilience, really. Mm. And, you know, for lots of people, um, not knowing what to do with your time once you give up drinking is really interesting. But knowing that it doesn't all have to be, doesn't have to be about writing journals. It can be about writing music. It can be about doing something creative. And I, and that's really exciting, actually, to have the time to be able to do that. I want to pick up on another thing that you talked about, uh, which is that you you did some songs that you didn't feel aligned very well with your values. And I'm always really interested in this because I believe giving up drinking has helped me go back to my the values that were really important to me in my 20s. Um, how, how did that, you know, how did you realize that that was something out of kilter? And how do you feel that you that by changing your drinking habits, you've been able to live the, your values a lot, a lot more strongly, really, and not be swayed by, you know, what would make the big bucks, but is about what you what you feel is your authentic you. Yeah. Um, you know, during that process, there was a, a strong gut feeling when writing certain things like just not to do it. It was not the right answer. Um, the drinking helped um, shrink that gut feeling, that voice inside. And um, I'm sorry, I, I, can you elaborate on the question? Yeah, so it's it's more about being able to live your values now. And, and actually, yeah. the, the thing that you took, you know, I trust my gut now far more than I ever did when I was drinking. And so I'm just interested in how, you know, how that feels for you and how you begin to trust your gut and know that you're living your values and authentically you. Yeah, it um like I said that first year especially I really got in touch with myself more. Um I thought I knew who I was as a person but realized like who I thought I was as a person was with alcohol in my life. Um you know, so they say like when people drink your true colors come out or whatever. But for me, I didn't even need to like be drunk or drinking for it to change who I was as a whole, even when I was sober. So stick with me for a bit. So let's say I go out with my friends drinking and, you know, I'm able to go up to girls and talk to them and dance or whatever. Um, that's my experience. Alcohol was involved. So now the next day there's no alcohol, but in my mindset, I'm like, Oh, I'm this like outgoing extroverted guy that can talk to any girl, blah, blah, blah start having more situations where the alcohol is removed and suddenly, Oh, that's hard for me to do. I'm kind of shy. And then it's like, Hmm. So my true self is a little bit more 
introverted and not as like crass and outgoing like that. But because my experiences were all those nights with alcohol, I thought that's who I was all the time. So when it comes to morals and stuff, um, when the alcohol was removed, I got to get in tune with who I really was, what was important to me, what I stood for, what I stood against, and who did I want to be as a person? What were my values? Um, And it was hard to be in touch with those when I was drinking, you know, like having a relationship with a girl, like a committed relationship and the thought of marriage wasn't even really like on my mindset until before I started drinking. You know, I had it made, I'm going to be this big successful rock star and hook up with all these women and stuff. So, you know, settling down, I'm like, well, that's kind of just a waste of time because eventually you're going to be famous and then that relationship's going to end anyways. And then I got sober and I'm like, huh, this love idea sounds kind of nice. Maybe I would like to find a girl and get into a committed relationship. But it's like those thoughts, feelings, emotions weren't even there when I was drinking. And it's not like I was loaded every single day. It was just on the weekends, but it was enough to alter who I was and my mindset throughout my whole existence. And I and I, I love that because often we focus on really big um common things around what we hope we get from drinking that you know we can lose loads of weight and suddenly go running marathons and all that sort of stuff when actually me the real epiphanies are understanding your values beginning to trust your gut um beginning to you know live a live life that's more authentic and and they're small and subtle but they are they are probably the more tangible things that I will point to that I've gained from giving up drinking and I want people to recognize that there's a whole wealth of things that we can gain uh, from changing drinking that aren't always so obvious. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of gains, you know, just even something as simple as around that time when I quit drinking, I started working for a band as a marketing director. And that required me going to their concerts, you know, every weekend. If I was still drinking, I never would have taken that job because the thought of giving up my weekends would have been like crazy. Like, absolutely not. Like, that's when I go out and party. So, you know, quitting drinking right then, you know, it leads me to this job, which improves my life and helps me build my skill set and be involved in the music industry more. So, like, there's so many little pieces of the puzzle I didn't even realize were a benefit from quitting drinking. Like, The goal was stop the anxiety and depression and not realizing so many other gains could come from it as well. I think that's fantastic. Now, you've done four and a half years alcohol free and now you have brought alcohol back into your life. And I wanted to ask you a bit about that decision and how you knew that was even possible. Yeah. um, Well, it's interesting. One of the ideas I had in my mindset, like after about a year of not drinking when it seemed like, okay, this is probably going to be a part of your life. And actually, I don't know if I'm ever going to drink again. Like it started off as it's not forever. And then it got to a point where I was open to the idea of forever because it was something I wanted. Um, But something like a goal I had of mine was, all right, if I'm going to drink again, It's not going to be until I'm in like a stable relationship with a girl that I feel can keep me in check because I still did not trust myself enough that, you know, I could slip back into that lifestyle. 
So I felt if I was at least, you know, in a relationship with someone who could point out and say like, hey, what's going on? Like you're slipping, you know, to hold me accountable. That gave me a sense of security that maybe it would be okay to drink again. And um, obviously it can be done through friends and family and stuff. But I think it's a lot easier to hide from people you don't see that regularly. Um and friends, you know, if you go, if you were to say, oh, I'm going to start drinking again, and they just see you like once on the weekend, they may not know like what's going on every other day of your life. So anyways, yeah, so that was an idea I had. Um, coincidentally dated a couple alcoholics during the process while being sober. <laughs> that was fun. But then I ended up finding, you know, a really good girl um, who... I saw I could go out and have a drink or two, like, and it wasn't a big deal. Like, it wasn't like, oh, this is the night we're going to go out and party. Like, I, I saw what it was like for someone to drink responsibly. And it made me feel secure, like, oh, maybe I can do that too. And if I can't, I have a girl that is going to um, notice that. Um, so that kind of opened up my, I, my mind to the idea of it. Um, and then within that time period of dating her, my stepmom passed away and it was kind of a profound moment in life, um, because it makes you like step back and look at everything and, you know, accept this idea of life can be short and you don't know when your time is up and reflecting back at my life and who I was in that moment. and. I'm not the same person I was in my 20s. I've grown a lot. I've changed. Like the the desire to drink is not even, you know, like strong. There used to be this part of me that was like fighting against like, oh, I really want to drink. Don't do it. Don't do it. Like there wasn't even that craving like that anymore. So it was more so like having confidence in myself that I wasn't the same person that I had grown enough. Um, and that maybe I could try, you know, having a drink here or there on social occasions to kind of just um, sit with the same experience as other people. And so that's kind of how I got back into it and, you know, got my feet wet a little bit. I had that safety net of the relationship. And I, I think just a newfound strength with who I was as a person. And it's interesting because, you know, there is, you know, one definition of moderate drinking. And my two colleagues who run Club Soda with me, they, they, they're they both in the moderate drinking group. But, but actually, both of them hardly ever drink. They just occasionally drink. So it's a bit more like they're alcohol free by default and occasionally have a drink, which doesn't sound the same as moderating, really. How do you describe what moderation means to you? Well... I guess to me, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's not something I consciously have to choose to moderate anymore. From being sober for four and a half years, that became my new norm. And that's still kind of how I live. Um, you know, so like COVID, um, being isolated in the house and not going out, there was no need for me to drink. Like it's, it's more now an attachment to a situation rather than a thing on its own. So if I wasn't going out and about and being social at a bar or something like, 
drinking wasn't even a thought in my mind. So I didn't, you know, like I, I, I say I was sober for four and a half years and started drinking again. But since this, I probably was, you know, not drinking for six months straight just because the opportunity wasn't there. So it is more of my norm to be sober now. Um, but I am still conscious of how much of an issue it was for me before. And I do know there still is a part of me that um, may lean more towards like the binge drinking. So if I do go out with friends and it's a weekend and I'm drinking, like I'm checking in with myself regularly of how I feel. And, you know, sometimes like one or two drinks can like make you really buzz. Sometimes if you've had enough to eat and got an, enough sleep, like you can drink a drink through, throughout the night, um, se- several drinks throughout the night and not really feel the effects. Whereas it used to be just like, this is how much I drink. I just keep drinking. One drink is gone. Get another one. Now it may be like, okay, I feel buzz after two drinks. I guess this is it for the rest of the night and switch to water. So checking in with myself and seeing how I physically and emotionally feel and know when to stop it. And uh, are there any drinks you avoid or do you avoid drinking on a particular emotion or is it really about being out in a particular situation? Do you have those as as hard and fast rules written down or are they just there subconsciously in your head? Yeah, I'd say it's more in my head. Um, I also... I guess I gauge how I'm feeling in life, like mentally and emotionally before I even decide to drink. Um, so recently, uh, my my actual mom, she got sick and was in the hospital for seven weeks in the ICU. And my sisters and I were kind of like banded together through this journey and experience. And it you know, it was not uncommon for them to end the night with a couple of glasses of wine over dinner or something. And I chose not to drink throughout that whole time because I knew what type of emotional state I was in. And for me, even one drink, I'm like, no, that's just going to make it worse. I'm not trying to crumble. I need to be strong and, you know, have my mental health and emotional state composed and put together right now. I need my strength. So I chose not to have even one drink throughout that time because I know how it can negatively affect me. I am sensitive. If I'm feeling a bit down or anxious, like the alcohol can be, you know, the catalyst to push me over that tipping point. No, that's it. It's it's really interesting that that all of your choices are connected to your feelings and your emotional state. And and that's that's really interesting because often we're focused when we're looking to moderate or change something a bit like when we're on a diet, isn't it? You're focused very much on the substance, whereas you're talking about being very much in touch with how you feel emotionally. And I think that's really fascinating and really interesting for people to understand. Because I'd say it was probably three years before when I had a stressful situation, my first thought didn't go to alcohol. So there's clearly something about the shift in your brain and your neurotransmitters beginning to shift away from relying on alcohol, really. So, so yeah. yeah, I think we all have things we do to soothe ourselves. 
And for a lot of us, you know, who drink in excess or, you know, have addictive personalities, drugs and alcohol may become those things that soothe us. And it just becomes our instinct at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Is when you're out and you're not drinking, what's your favorite alcohol free drink? What what do you drink that's non-alcoholic? Well, I'll tell you, for those four and a half years when I didn't drink, Red Bull became my crutch. <laughs> George, you know, I had to give up Red Bull up six months after giving up drinking because my Red Bull went up so uh, high. And I now have it as an occasional treat, but uh-huh. which doesn't even sound like a treat. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in some sense, it kind of was like a compromising because I still did feel some euphoric effects from Red Bull. <laughs> Sugar! Okay. That's basically how I love to live my life. <laughs> uh-huh. But it, it helped me get through and, you know, kind of made me less of an awkward turtle because I didn't know what to do when I wasn't drinking. Um, but yeah, in moderation now, but uh, you know, it sounds so boring, but just like flavored sparkling waters became a new thing for me. And uh, I joked with my sister, she's like, oh, you like that? It's not even good. I'm like, yeah, that's what I like about it. It's kind of like you're drinking alcohol because it's not like the best tasting thing in the world. So it makes me feel like I'm participating. <laughs> I mean, there's a big growth in, in alcohol-free beers and spirits and stuff here in the UK. So we're now quite spoiled for choice. And I definitely have things that I have when I go out, which, you know, I never even drank beer when I was drinking alcohol, but I now will always pick up an alcohol-free beer. So it's fascinating, really. Um, It's been absolutely lovely speaking to you, Kyle. And, um, you know, we'd love to speak to you again. I'm sure when we do our festivals and stuff, there'll be other opportunities. Do you want to tell us just a little bit more about your work and your lyrics and where people can find you? Sure. Um, My artist's name is Kyle Ambition. And you could find me on all streaming platforms, social media. It's all under Kyle Ambition. Um, it's actually, I recently rebranded. I used to have a different artist name. But as I said, with um, the drinking and stuff and kind of pushing morals aside, I decided to scrap all that old work. And I said, you know what? I'm not afraid to start new again. This is who I am now. This is the message I want to get out. And it's okay if, you know, I had a fan base before. If they go away, that's fine. I'm kind of starting from scratch. But at least there's a sense of pride attached to the work I do now. Um, And a lot of my lyrics are focused on just overcoming life's obstacles. So whether you're dealing with anxiety, depression, substance dependency, um, even heartbreak, you know, like all that yucky stuff we've been through in life that maybe we don't feel comfortable talking to other people about yet. Um, My music is kind of a place where you can sit back, listen to someone who maybe gets it or you can relate to and hopefully is the catalyst then to, you know, finding a more reliable source like therapy or self-help book, but it it initiates the idea. Um, So yeah, feel free to check it out. I'd love to hear what you think as well. And we'll put all your links on on the social and on the blog that goes with this podcast. So thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. Take care.
podcast is brought to you by Club Soda. You can find out more about what we do on joinclubsoda.com and on our social handles at joinclubsoda.com.